All right, welcome everybody to another epic episode of Duck It. We have here Ryan Bailuni. Uh, thanks so much uh, for coming on, man. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really do appreciate it. So obviously we've just met. Um, I, I, I don't know anything about you other than your awesome Instagram page and the bits and pieces that I've been kind of watching over the last couple of days. Oh my God. Um, and, and I'm so excited to speak to you because, you know, straight up, I didn't even know people like you existed in Dubai, yeah. in the Middle yeah. East. So, I mean, how does somebody get into, you know, what it is you're doing? Just tell us that story as much as you can. Um, well, it's, it's, it's funny because I was just telling you guys earlier before we started um, that like, it, it's crazy because essentially like, obviously I'm not from the UAE, right? But I have so much belief in the UAE in terms of talent and whatnot um, because of how long that I've lived here. So obviously my mom's from Newcastle in the UK, my dad's from Syria. Uh, I was about three months old when they moved here. So I've essentially not born, but raised uh, in Abu Dhabi. And um, at a time where like Abu Dhabi was so green, it was so like innocent. Um, though, for me, those were like the MTV days. Like that's the only yeah. way you're gonna get discovered in music, right? So that's how yeah. I discovered my music. Um, so probably up until the age of 18, I was in like rock bands, high school bands. Uh, one of my friends, uh, his name is Liam, shout out to Liam. He's actually one of the guys that got me into production early, but um, we we organized like the first like independent rock gig at like some cinema somewhere it's actually in maria cinema in abu dhabi a lot of people know that cinema because it's the it you would tell someone to meet you behind maria cinema if you're about to have a fight so someone's uh. like meet, meet me behind maria cinema so it was it was like at that time as ratchet as abu dhabi gets you know your gangster um, high school days right your gangster. yeah i mean it wasn't super gangster i was i was like the dude that's like come on guys come on guys you know but no yeah. beef no beef no beef yeah no beef no beef you know um yeah so uh so when i was 18 um i was trying to like record in studios and stuff and i told my dad i wanted to do music full-time I mean, I don't blame my dad now looking back, but at the time my dad was like, well, how does that even work? How do you get into it? And obviously being in Abu Dhabi at that time, there's like no info on this at all. There's no Google. We didn't even have uh, Blackberries yet. It was just barely Nokia. So <laughs> access to info is so, is so different. Um, so I ended up going to uh, Newcastle. Uh, I got my bachelor's and both my master's in biotechnology because that was whatever I that was the highest grades I got was in biology and chemistry in school. Um, and I think, so I was there like six years in Newcastle and like every single day I told myself when I finish uni, that's my plan B, my plan A is to go back to music and then everything is going to be good. Uh, and then in that time, my dad moved to Qatar. So um, when I finally wanted to move back to Abu Dhabi and get it going again, I'm in a new country again. Um, and then that's where I decided I'll just get a job in pharmaceutical, um, got a job in a company and like hated every single day of it. Um, I would wake up. I didn't even know why I was waking up, but I guess like some people in general, like, you know, you have like some sort of like moral fiber. You're like, I have to do a job. I'm paid to do things, you know, of but you're working for a salary. You're not really working for yourself, which is Absolutely. a big difference. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I'm trying to get What's the word? My job is to get paid, not to do my job, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, absolutely. You know absolutely. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so then I eventually came back to do, well, essentially, I quit my job. The morning I quit my job, I didn't even know I was going to quit, uh, but I'd had enough. Like, it, it was so weird. I um, shouldn't have done this, but I guess it's a good thing looking back. But I, I, uh, I just come back from a trip, a business trip uh, in Oman with this Qatari company. And just the whole ethics of how the 
pharmaceutical and the medical industry work, I was like, this is, this is just killing me from the inside out. Um, looking at people that were sick and you're trying yeah. to help them. And there's so many things in the way, red tape, money, uh, things under the table. I'm just like, I can't like, you know, I would rather make less money that's clean than more money that's dirty sort of thing. Yeah. Not that I'm accusing my company, but the whole industry, medical industry, you know what I mean? Um, so I walked in one day, uh, had some sort of disagreement with my boss and I, it just came out of my mouth. I was just like, I'm the, I'm, I'm done. Like I'm done. Yeah. And as I was saying it, I was like, you can't take this back. And I was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Go home. Tell my dad. I'm like, I, uh, I quit my job. And he's like, so what are you going to do? I was like, no idea, but I know what I don't want to do. That's for sure. That's awesome. So, um, awesome yeah. So work. then, so then I came to Dubai and this is pretty much where your question leads to. Cause I came here thinking this is like 1999 Abu Dhabi time. I still haven't understood that Dubai has like, uh, uh, free zones and you can open like, you know, licenses and register, register a company. Uh, so I met, um, one of my friends called Hadnan and he said to me, uh, you know, why don't you just open a company here? So I was like, how much does it cost? You know, what does it take? What's the process? And I realized it was super simple. Uh, opened a company here. Um, and then literally just did it the old school way of like reaching out to every single artist, uh, telling them this is what I do. Cause in the time that I had quit, one of my friends in Qatar said to me, um, we were working on a new band, a new album for the band. And he said to me, um, do you really want to pay for some dude in the States to do it again? Like, I think you could do this. You've kind of picked up info along the way as you've been doing it. I'm like, no man, this guy's won like Latin Grammys. What am I like, what am I going to do? You know? And he's like, you should do it. You should do it. Shout out to Amir. He was like the first guy that really pushed me to do it. So in that year where I'm trying to figure out what to do with my life, that's really when I learned all this production and engineering stuff came to Dubai and then just started implementing it. But I think when I look back at it now, what you're saying, how you didn't know people uh, like me that exist here. Yeah. But when I, when I look at artists that were here in 2015, they didn't know each other existed and they're both in the city, which is completely different to now, you know, where like, where now yeah. people are like supporting each other. We're having these conversations, but I think even in the last five years, it's changed so much. So I'm like very grateful to be a part of that, like that little curve or this like sort of like first adopters thing, you know, that's happening. But yeah. 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 I mean, it's not just in the, um, it's not just in the music industry either. Like I think, um, I mean, it's a slight deviation, but I mean, five years ago when, or six years ago when I was coming to Dubai to come and work, I was looking for startups to work and I had no idea the scene existed. So I think when you think about how early and how young these industries are, be it yeah. the music industry, be it the startup industry, industries. The, um, it's crazy to think where Dubai is now and where it's come from in the last two point, last five, six years. Yeah, I mean, you must have seen it though. Like you must have felt a difference in the last five, six years. Oh yeah, it's yeah, rapid. Yeah, yeah. rapid, yeah. And I mean, it feels like you're in it a long time, but you're not. But it feels because of how much you have to go at it, you know, but. I mean, for every five years, I mean, for every year in Dubai, it's two, right? It feels like five years, <laughs> yeah, ten yeah. years. Like, I mean, That's the, so the true. Speed of, uh, That's yeah. so true, yeah. Yeah, but I got to say, I, I completely agree with what you guys are saying. But at the same time, I got to say that the region is still not synonymous with leading anything in particular, right? No. no. So like, when you look at the Middle East, and I don't think we should be just mean on, on Dubai, but I mean... Um, sure, sure. I mean, generally speaking, in the region, it's not like you think of us... Uh, generally across the region as, as leading any specific industry, any specific art, any specific kind of, um, kind of uh, discipline at all. Right. So I think it's, it's, it's kind of weird. It's like, you know, 
every time we look for inspiration, and I think I was telling you this before as well, every time we look for inspiration, uh, our automatic is to look anywhere but here, right? It's like yeah. you literally, what you Google, what you search, the people you look up, um, you know, they're generally nine times out of 10 out of the region, right? So, of course. So it's like when you think about music and producing, like, you know, obviously there is a scene here. There is always a, a, a scene or some sort of a subculture or some sort of existence of, of, of something cultural or, or, or intellectual that you don't know about. Like it's impossible mm-hmm. to be aware of everything, but, but generally speaking, you don't look within most of the time, right? And, and when you think about it, most of the time, the answers do come from within either psychologically mm-hmm. or within your community, right? Absolutely. Because that's your kind of sphere of influence and your sphere of reach. And only yeah. that sphere can influence you, you know, uh, deeply enough. But it's it's kind of weird, man. Like I, I, I know it exists, but I don't like. It's funny. I went on your Instagram. I even went on on Rami and started to look at the artists that you kind of worked with. I'm like, shit, man. There's like a whole huge, proper, super kind of advanced scene where the music, the producing, the songwriting, everything's kind of it's it's there, man. It's absolutely well, it's there. there now. Yeah. yeah. But but I would have never imagined it to be there. It's almost like how come you guys don't get the awareness? that you kind of deserve. It's, it's super weird. It's, just, it's a super interesting question because, um, so like when I, when, I, when I first came here, when you're talking about reaching out to like, obviously other countries for info, I, I don't really blame like the Middle East in general for that because I think a lot of cities, like I know for a fact, like Dubai is like a lot of it's like the infrastructure was modeled um, off of like Singapore yeah. and like big cities around <laughs> the world. So, um, whenever a country in general, like I think people forget how young the region is sometimes as well, especially like the Gulf. But like when you're modeling yourself, you obviously get into a habit, right? In terms of like where you want to go with things. Yeah. So I think in general, when you when you go around Dubai, and especially we're talking about, I think like um, uh, you guys were saying like five to 10 years ago, everything, yeah. there was no like, it's like it's all corporations right massive corporations because you want to you want to attract tourists you want to get people into the country so people obviously want things that they know so when you get to music um and you look at influences people are always going to look outside because that's just the nature of of the region but i think now um and i don't really know if this is sort of like it's both things happening at the same time like it's omnidirectional but like you have the region that's been looking outside that's starting to look within. And then you also have outside slowly looking in. So I don't know if it's like, because one is self-recognizing or it's simultaneous with self-recognization and then the, the rest of the world starting to look in, you know, because yeah. there's a lot of signs of that happening, like massive artists. Like we look at Bazi, uh, who signed with the weekend stable. He's Lebanese. Yeah. Uh, you have Belly, who's Palestinian. Yeah. Uh, we have um, like people like Khalid. I know he's American, but there's like the Arabification of artists happening, you know. So, sure. in terms of music, I definitely think that, especially. Well, I don't know much about gaming. I don't know if you guys know a lot about gaming, but like from what I hear, the Mina has the highest population or percentage of Gen Z and the highest population of like gamers and stuff. So gaming is like huge here. So yeah. I don't know, it's, it's super interesting, but it's like, it's, it's rapid. I think the first meme ever to come out of like the UAE was the Salt Bay, even though he's Turkish, but it's like a, yeah, Dubai, <laughs> UAE slash based first meme. So you can see LeBron doing Salt Bay and stuff. It's like, yeah, we, we, we can, we can one up that, you know? Yeah, so I, I completely agree. I think, and I think it's, 
across industries too. I think culturally and, and, and music wise, I think, I think there were a bunch of catalysts to that as well. Right. Like I, it's funny, like when you look at, you know, even the platforms where you can get access to music, even the way that Anagami operates and their user experience and the way that they kind of merchandise music and put it in front of people and how they push local a lot. I think that had a huge influence too. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the legitimacy of the music. I mean, when, when you're, you know, playing, you know, I don't know, you know, a big boy song. And then right after it, you know, it's, it's going to suggest like a local song or a local artist, a local producer, then all of a sudden it kind of, it kind of feels like, Oh shit. Yeah. Maybe, you know, it's, it's on the same level. I can, I can kind of look at it, but, but generally speaking, I would say even, you know, Steve and I have been working in technology for, for quite some time. We used to always look at, you know, externally, uh, look at other brands, how they do things, you know, from user experiences to tech, to branding, to comms, to marketing. Is that just more for like <clears throat> proof of concept and like yeah, case study and, stuff? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and even some influence, right? Um, and, and it was a lot like that back in the day. But, you know, these days we're starting to realize that a lot of what we're doing is, you know, on par or sometimes even more ahead of the game. Um, yeah. Which is super interesting, right? Like. You know, five years ago, six years ago, when I was at like Rocket Internet and we were, you know, starting to launch digital businesses in the region, um, man, we were like, nobody even understood the language we were speaking. Whereas, <laughs> whereas today, you know, I feel like, man, I'm, I'm behind some of the local guys here. And I feel like, yeah, I also feel like what we're doing locally or regionally is, is also on par or, 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 or advanced, right? Uh, so I think yeah. the maturity of the region has definitely the kind of leapfrogged. Um, but dude, how do you like I was watching your videos and, you know, I kind of like started to daydream a little bit and be like, fuck, I wish I could do that. And I could do my own. <laughs> it must be so therapeutic, you know, shit. Fuck must be awesome. Even if I'm well, shit. not when you're doing it like 500 <laughs> fucking times and you're just like, I hate this thing. And then you have to reset and re-record now. <laughs> anyways, you make it look like it's a fucking breeze, but anyways. Yeah. Well, um, it, that, that's, I think that's sort of like the, the point. <laughs> like, that's the beauty of social media, right? It's yeah. like the, the best bit. It's like, forget the 1500 outtakes. hundred percent. It's like, I remember, uh, John Mayer saying, if I ever want to know what's not happening in the world, I check in uh, social media. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's like, it's true. yeah, it's so true. But anyway, so I was going to ask you, so like education wise, you're not trained to be a producer. You're not trained to be a songwriter. No. Um, but how did you learn all of that stuff? Like, where did that come from? Is it like self-taught? And then how do yes. you teach yourself? Yeah. No. So everything for me is self-taught. Uh, even when it comes to engineering, uh, when it comes to like producing and stuff, I would say that like the, like, it's not easy. Like, and there's this thing about people say like 10,000 hours, 10,000 hours. There's that rule. I don't necessarily like, I don't necessarily like agree with it just being 10,000 hours. It's 10,000 hours of what, like what type of 10,000 hours are you doing? Yeah, Cause yeah. some people yeah. split the 10,000 hours and they'll spend like 9,000 of those hours reading, but it's like, well, if you haven't practiced it, you just know a lot about something. So it's, but a lot of the time, I think, and I think you guys will relate to me the most more than maybe a sort of younger audience, but I think between the three of us, we, we're at an age where we went through so many different forms of technology and communicating with each other, and even just the way we digest um, information. I mean, I'm sure we went from like, fact pager to fax to phone to whatever and it's the same with like music it's the same with gaming it's the same with like radio so i've had to change the way that i learn how to do things so in the beginning when it i started with guitar when i start with guitar like 
when I was like 15, 16, there was like, there was no internet. There was no Yahoo, Google. I was just like, you have to, whatever sounds good. So yeah. it's more intuitive where you, you, you're like, oh, I'll do it this way. Later, when I look back at people that are teaching online now, I'm like, well, I never did it that way, but my way sounds fine. So I guess there's like some sort of like, I think that drives you to learn it your own way, which I think the, the backseat of what's happening is there's some sort of artistry developing because you're expressing yourself your way. Uh, while when you have all of these classes and ways that you should do it, you're just learning a standard way. And then you're like, well, what do I do with this? Because now that I know. Um, and I think that sort of just happened over 10 years where um, I started, like, like I said, when Amir told me you should produce, that's really when YouTube became a, a thing, like, a, 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 like e-learning sort of platform. Um, and I was watching like thousands of videos and I'm like, well, I would never do this. This is not the type of music that I make. So essentially it does, ha it does fall back onto you to like gain your hours, if that makes sense. So, yeah. Um, so, so you treat it kind of like, like an instrument then it's not so much a discipline or a technology or something, but you treat everything as an instrument yeah. and your yeah. interpretation of how you play it is how you play it. I play it this way. So I, yeah. I okay. Yeah. Like even like, cause when I, when I first came here, I remember one of the first artists that really like um, kind of echoed the same sentiments you guys are saying. Uh, I worked with um, X factor winner uh, Hamza Hosawi and he was the first, um, the first X factor artist to win the Mina competition, not singing in Arabic. He's, he, he performs purely in English. So when he came to work with me and I was showing him some of the stuff like that I had done with the band earlier and things that I had learned along the way, he's like, man, like this is like a whole new world to me. And like, because I was, I was explaining production almost like you're saying it's like an instrument, like look what you can do with this creatively. It's not like I can give you this much level quality and it's like, that that's going to change every year. You know what I mean? Like um, cameras are going to get better. Uh, recording software is going to get better. Like quality is just always going to improve. That's just a given. It's never going to degrade. So uh, it's more about how do you use those tools? What message are you getting across? So I think similar to what you guys are doing with the, with this whole podcast and the ducket thing, it's, it's, I always was more focused on why than what and how. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's, there's that big, uh, you know, what's his name? Um, oh, I can't even going to forget his name. The dude with the Simon Sinek. Yeah. Golden oh, circle stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah that's funny. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Listen, I think, I think I, I, I got a big respect for that and, and, and I'm sure Steve does too. And I, and I guess my follow-up question to that, and it's, it's kind of weird. I don't know if you have a position on this, but, <clears throat> on the why front, um, mm. I think I think for us, you know, at Duck Life and and Duck It, like our why is quite clear, and and we believe that like there's a huge gap between rich and poor, and and that gap is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. And <clears throat> if you're lucky enough to be on the rich side of things, which I guess we all are in in the in the scheme of the world, grand right? like, scheme like of things. In the yeah. grand scheme of things, I don't think any of us are like gazillionaires. But I'm just saying, unless you are, we don't know. So good for you. But um, <laughs> but um, but essentially, that gap is getting bigger, and the reason that gap exists, really, it, it, it comes down to one kind of thing, and that's privilege, right? And 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 when you understand privilege, 
you know, I'm, I'm lucky because I'm a white guy. I'm lucky because, you know, I was born on the, you know, in the right country at the right time. Yeah. I'm lucky because my parents, you know, gave me love, made me believe that I could do whatever I wanted in my life. My parents, you know, paid for a great education, great experience. I had a very stable household, blah, blah, blah. And those privileges just, you know, they just snowball, right? And it's like, yeah. once you understand what the power of those privileges are, what we're realizing at Duck Life is the only way we can really counter that is by trying to pass down that privilege to people who don't have it. Yeah, and, and And we've identified, you know, refugees um, as a very kind of deserving group of people, right? That don't have absolutely. Any they don't have the basic kind of needs, right? They don't have food. They yeah. don't have shelter. They don't have education. They don't have, you know, anything. Um, so I wonder, and sorry, long, long, long question, but what is the responsibility of of kind of music? Because the Middle East and like we feel that the responsibility of businesses of startups is to not only create shareholder value, which is what everyone is saying, oh, we need to create value for our shareholders, which just- Yeah, it's, it's it, the, it great, just the great term, yeah. Yeah, it, it just compounds wealth to the wealthy and shareholders are always the wealthy because they have the capital and it's just compounding exponential kind of earning and growth for the wealthy. That's what shareholder mm -hmm. value basically means. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's like concentration and concentration and concentration, just keep it yeah. in those hands. Yeah. But what's the, and, and we believe, you know, yes, shareholders should make money, but we also believe that shareholders can make money and can also take care of their community and the people that have less privilege. And, and shareholders will call that philanthropy. <laughs> it's not philanthropy. It's fucking yeah, responsibility, well, man. It's yeah, you know, of like, course, <laughs> of course. You know, like, but it'll be, it, it'll come off as like some sort of, yeah, 100%, yeah. yeah, I know what you yeah. mean, 100%. But I'm like, we believe that, man, you can still make tons of money and still take care of people and share that privilege, right? Yeah. What do you, what's the equivalent in music? Because I feel like culture and art is a representation of people, emotions, feelings, uh, you know, pain, uh, happiness, et cetera. So what do you think the responsibility is of music in the region? Um, Great question. Um, so just going back firstly to what you guys were saying about Duck Life and Duck It, um, I really, really, really love what you guys are doing with that. Um, and it, there is like a personal attachment to that because um, so my dad's sister, so my auntie, she, we all lived in Abu Dhabi at the same time and she moved over to Canada. She lives in London, Ontario. And she, um, she was actually on the news and she met Justin Trudeau and all this stuff because she was one of the first Syrians that started the whole um, refugee awareness to have Syrian refugees come to Canada. And she was on the news and stuff because that's something that just us as a family, like, you know, when, when you, we were raised in Abu Dhabi and like I was saying earlier, it was like a great place to be raised. It's not like we were suffering. It was a huge middle class in Abu Dhabi. So everyone is friendly. There wasn't crime. You know, we paid no taxes. So I think when she went to Canada, she recognized that after like so many people that are educated, they are intelligent. Like you guys were saying, sort of like wasted talent, right? Like yeah. there are so many talented individuals that purely because of maybe not having a privilege or circumstantial um, things, they suddenly are on the other side of the scale. Yeah. Um, so it's something that I really like, just props to you guys for doing that because like in any way that you got, like people can help, it's such a big thing. Um, but uh, going back to your question about the uh, music thing, it's a great question because there's like a two, there's like a two part, um, I would just, I would just say it's like a, a, a it's not a two-part answer, but like it's like two sides of the balance, balancing sure. scale, right? Um, we have a, in the region, um, and I think this just goes back culturally, historically, maybe religiously or whatever it is, but there's a stigma against music in general from this region. Um, 
And I don't think it's because it's it, uh, something to do with music. And I think that I understand now when I'm older, that sort of uh, rationale, which is we don't really need creatives. That's the way it's perceived, right? Because if us three right now, we're on an island, we had to start a civilization from scratch. We don't need a singer. We don't need a producer. We need a teacher. We need a lawyer. We need doctors. We need et cetera, et cetera. So these are considered uh, nice fundamental, uh, yeah, fundamental occupations to keeping society running and to keep it, you know, yeah. effective, right? So I understand that. However, we're not on a deserted island. We have all of those things, which is where I think art starts to come in, which is like the second part of your question. And I think uh, people sometimes um, bandy around the term art or artist a lot. And it's sometimes it, it gets on my nerves because there are people that are just great singers. There are people that are just great musicians. But for me, art is when you, well, by definition, it's when you remind someone of a human emotion, whichever it is. And that's why art could be a painting, it could be music, but the idea is that you're conveying and translating a texture, a message, your own way. Yeah. So when it comes down to like what you were saying about how this gets distributed over, a big thing that I've been trying to push with, um, especially in, like in the first couple of years of when I started producing is making people more conscious about being artistic. I don't care how good you are at singing. When I think of Bob Dylan, I don't think incredible singer. I think artist. Yeah. He was a terrible singer. He was rubbish. <laughs> I was just going right? to say, yeah. yeah. He was rubbish. He, did, he actually didn't sing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you say Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, I go singer. But I don't think artist. I don't think like, wow. When I think Mariah Carey, I think of a certain idea or a concept or like there is a message. But maybe with Adele, I think heartache. I think heartbreak. I think, you know, eternal, you know, like relationship problems where I think she's more maybe artistic than maybe like a Mariah Carey, but I would say Mariah Carey is a better singer. So it's being trying to educate. I mean, educate's a big word, but like raise awareness with artists or upcoming creatives here about what art really means, because it's like, I, I have honestly heard people in the city that sound better than Ed Sheeran singing, but Ed Sheeran's an incredible artist, but I'm never going to Suffolk. So this is controversial. This country. <laughs> He's my boy. I know, I know, I know. Look, I love I love Ed Sheeran, you know, but I think even Ed I think even Ed would say like uh, yeah, he, like you can't say Ed Sheeran, Whitney Houston on par. Like even he yeah, would yeah, say yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, but he 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 gets his credit in songwriting and he gets his like yeah. his due in terms of like what he creates, not how well he is technically at something. So, coming up with a lot of artists when I started off, I actually made a huge and a conscious effort that I was going to work with as many uh, green or, or developing starting artists as I could, yeah. rather than just going for the big artists that already had portfolios and profiles. I was like, let me go to these open mic nights, see who's, who has talent, who has something about them and communicate, start a conversation. And sometimes a lot of the work was pro bono, you know, but I was like, I don't care whether it's, it's paid or unpaid at the moment. I care about, when someone hears this music coming out, they think, I, I feel it, I, I get it. There's messages coming out here that's yeah. relative to the people that are here rather than like, oh, this sounds like The Weeknd or The Drake or here's a new Dua Lipa song or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I think a, a lot of it, I mean, I still do that stuff now. Like there's actually, weird enough, we have an artist uh, coming in 
uh, after this uh, podcast who's like um like just like sort of like example of a story always wanted to sing my fiance works with him at a company and uh, his name is Khaled or he goes by KK and he was like for the longest time didn't even know that people like me existed and his office is like literally 150 steps away from my building right wow. Uh, my fiance tells him one, two, three, four, five about who I am. And he's like, mm, okay. You know, again, thinking I might go outside if I ever wanted to do something, waited a long time till everything seemed like it's the right time to do it, met me. And now he's on his fourth single. And for the first time, like on Spotify, at least for him, he just broke 20,000 plays for a dude that essentially started releasing nine months ago. So like that for me, these are success stories because I, you know, like him being Palestinian, never done music before, living in Dubai his whole life. He's on his fourth single. And like, like these are like small success stories because, you know, um, another one is like this Mexican kid called Julian Lamadrid. I met him in Dubai. He was 17, 16. And he said to me, he's like, I'm going to be one of the biggest artists in the world someday. And I'm like, you will, bro. You will. Right. And when he was here, Everyone was like, I don't know who he is, man. Some kid, some kid. Like, that's the way we look at, at least then. Yeah, you know, yeah, some guy trying to do some pop music. His, his, he moved to New York with, I think, eight or nine singles. He's now one million plays monthly on Spotify. Ryan, Ryan Gosling retweets all of his songs. He was on the cover of Vogue uh, in New York. Yeah, like, and, and, and he's, yeah, and he's like, bar he's barely 19, 20 years old, and he's wow. already there. So, like, these are success stories of like, you know, like, so I, I still put conscious effort into that. Like I am interested in working with bigger artists all the time for sure. But also at the same time, I'm like, who are the ones around me that need that help? You know, who are the people that are serious about actually saying something from the region, you know? So sorry, very long answer, but like some. No, but, some but, cool, but, uh, but, but, but it's crazy, man. It's like, you know, I, 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 I'm trying to pick my words very carefully. I don't want to sound too controversial, but, but I feel like the region is going through some sort of um, like cultural kind of revolution, right? I feel mm -hmm. like, I feel like everything's changing, right? I mean, I, I grew up in Saudi, right? Like if you told me, um, you know, five years ago that there were going to be crazy concerts in the desert and, you know, like, like music would be blowing up and, and like you know, arts and culture would be like a huge entertainment kind of uh, feature of the country. And, you, you wouldn't. Know, I would like, what are you talking about, dude? Right. Yeah. So it was always underground. I mean, there was always music, there was always shows, there was always arts and culture, but it was like so like you have to find it. It was like super kind of. Um, I remember the rap scene in Jeddah was was fucking big, man. Um, it still is. Yeah, and 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 but you had to like you had to like almost you know hide just to hear it, just to participate in it. And now it's like it's blown up. It's out there. So I'm wondering like. How does that, you know, have an impact on, on what you guys do, right? Like now that the arts and culture scene is kind of like it's, you know, money is being poured into it. Uh, there's investment. There's platforms like Anagami. There's, you know, every weekend. Well, not since COVID, unfortunately, but uh, you know, there's tons of entertainment in Saudi Arabia, in the UAE, etc. Have you seen a shift? I mean, it's. I would say Saudi Arabia has kind of pivoted, you know, uh, culturally. What, like two years ago, maybe? Um, yeah. You know, has that had an impact on you guys? Have you seen a huge influx in, in new artists and, in, in, you know, producing and in, in money into the industry? Have you seen a change? So we have, for sure. Um, I mean, even in terms of like, so like, because I remember like the first year that I produced, which is before what you were saying, this like renaissance. Yeah. yeah. Big word, but you get what I mean. Yeah. Um, I, like I would be... 
I would be releasing just myself with artists about maybe like 30, 35, 40 singles a year, right? Which is not bad. You're looking at like what a single every 10 days, you know, some of them might be the same artist, but outside of me, there's maybe like 10 or 20, 30 others. So that's about 50% ratio, right? Of like what I was doing to what was coming out. But now, even though my numbers have gone up per year, it's like, I think the other day I went on Made in Mina, a uh, Spotify playlist and there they have like all the like you know fresh new finds from Mina and I was like damn I have like 25 songs out of the whatever 70 or 60 songs but I was like damn there's like 35 40 others that's just around me so for sure it's gone up I just don't know whether it's because of the things that you're saying I don't know yeah. if that's I don't know where the line is drawn between inspiration and motivation because of everything going on, if that makes sense. So someone might say like, like, so someone might watch, you know, duck it and be like, man, I want to do this, but it may not be to do with the fact that Joe Rogan signed a $150 million deal on Spotify and it's coming to the region. And so I don't know how much where, you know, what the reason is, but it definitely has happened. Yeah. I mean, do you guys not feel that with podcasting? I mean, like when I saw the Joe Rogan thing, I was like, this is huge. This is huge. I mean, I mean, podcasting's exploded in terms of numbers over the last, I mean, it's been, but it's been going on for what, five, six years, but then it feels like, again, it's accelerated uh, rapidly over the last uh, two, three years. And obviously with COVID and lockdown, I mean, I mean, it's podcast galore. uh, Yeah, of course. The amount of stuff. But people like Joe Rogan build that platform for podcasts and in the sense of what it, what it can do and the messages that can get out there. So when you've got big, um, when big things like that happen, then that expands it even further. And the awareness of it um, yeah. you know, grows exponentially. But I mean, when you guys heard the news of the Joe Rogan thing, because like, I like podcasts. Um, I mean, I, I follow a lot of like, I don't know if Steve will know this, but like I, I listen to a lot of like the two mics on talk sport, you know, like that's a big, a big show. I was going to say you're a football it. fan because uh, you'll never walk alone, right? Congrats on the title. Thank you so much. Are you, are you, uh, do you support anyone in particular? I'm an, I'm an Ipswich fan. So, uh, oh, so I have we, time. We, we play in the I have time for Ipswich. Yeah, no, but I have time <laughs> oh, for Ipswich. I, I remember when Ipswich were in the Premier League and I remember that they, they, well, I mean, I remember when they Marcus used to give us a hard time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go, I remember. I, I, I remember. I remember when. Um, on a side note, sports-wise, like I remember when. Um, like in general, like so many people used to take the mic. They're like, they're like, why do you support Liverpool if you're from Newcastle? And I'm like, well, my dad, being from Syria, when he when he went to the UK before he met my mom, he was in Hull. And when he was in Hull, they were like, oh, do you want to have a kickabout? Let's play. And my dad's like, I don't know what they're saying. I don't even understand English. By the time he put a few words together, they asked him, you've got to support somebody. So my dad's like, well, Syria wears all red. Who wears all red? They're like Liverpool. At that time, Liverpool were like winning. So he's like, okay, I'm Liverpool. Then my dad really got immersed in the culture. And I was born in a Liverpool jersey. And he's like, you will support Liverpool no matter what. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, all right. You know, so then they actually won the league this year on my birthday. So my dad messaged me and he's like, how do you like that? And I was like, Going back to how my dad's more British than my mom, my, my dad's like, how you like that? And I was like, very good. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very good, you know, but, um, but yeah, sorry, uh, going back to the Joe Rogan thing. So like when the Joe Rogan thing uh, happened, that's why I'm curious with you guys, because I'm really into like podcasts, sports podcasts. Um, I'm also like a fan of like the, the Joe Budden podcast as well. And I know like 
his podcast or their podcast in general is considered like one of the top two or three podcasts on Spotify. And I love their angle about how they said that a lot of people are asking, like, how do you feel about Joe Rogan coming? Cause it's like a big shark taking over this platform and they're going to implement video. So it's going to be video podcasting buttons. Like, listen, you know, big shark. If someone buys the house next to you and you're in a, in a bad neighborhood and someone, a millionaire buys the house next to you by, by default, your house is worth more money. So in terms of like all the other podcasts that are taking off, but I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I thought that was super interesting. You know, Bing. like I, I, yeah, you I'm, go, Chris. I'm, 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 <laughs> You're I'm, a big, Chris, a big yeah, Joe Rogan fan. So. I'm a huge Joe okay. Rogan fan, but, but not for the, well, I don't know if, if most people would agree with this, but not for the, not for the obvious reasons. The reason why I like, um, the reason why I was happy that Joe Rogan kind of, you know, had the success and the opportunity um, that he has now is, is, is for something a bit more kind of forgotten. And, and for me, that's, it's the tone of voice, man. It's, it's the style, it's the humility, it's the, it's what he, yeah, it's what he represents more than anything. And, you know, I disagree with a lot of his views, right? I, I don't necessarily align with hundred percent of what he thinks or does. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but generally the fact that a tattooed, you know, um, bald, um, uh, you know, fire, fear, fear, fear factor presenter, whatever yeah, it was. fear factor presenter, uh, comedian, uh, uh, you know, juiced up like, like dude can actually be smart, have intellectual conversations, can be funny, can be a multitude of things, have an open mind, not be right, not be too left. Um, so what I like about Joe Rogan is that he, he kind of, fights against any stereotype that you yep. would expect. And yeah. the way that he speaks to his guests is with such a mutual respect, but not an admiration, right? So yeah, so very like, well said. So it's like, he doesn't like, he, he's not afraid to ask you questions or react or like, he's absolutely himself. He knows exactly who he is, but he has a respect um, for all of his guests. You know, he'll have musicians, he'll have people like Elon Musk, he'll have politicians, he'll have Dr. Fauci, he'll have, you know, he'll have all kinds of walks of life on his show and he'll give them each the respect they deserve. And he'll just allow them to have a conversation that is honest. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's weird. Like everything today is fucking fake news and fabricated or has some different intention or has some other agenda yeah. or everybody's, you know, there's a narrative that someone's trying to drive. And I just yeah. feel like Joe Rogan is one of those few spaces where like you don't feel the pressure of kind of filtering information right like whenever you watch anything on tv uh, online on youtube on twitter whatever you read something and you watch it and you're like ah but that guy or that girl or that woman and that man they have that opinion because of xyz or you know and you you automatically filter it and you say okay yes i agree with this but i don't agree with that because of who they are and what they represent because everything is is gray now there's no black and white right yeah. when you watch joe rogan i don't feel like i have to have a, a filter i don't feel like i have to have a defense mechanism on to filter the information i feel like i can just absorb it and by mm-hmm. nature it's all neutral right mm-hmm. it's not like yeah. it's not pushing anything down my throat because Today, everything we consume, by the way, from music to, you know, sports, to any entertainment, to a stand-up show, to news, is all an agenda. Everything has an agenda, 
It's all pushing a narrative. Most that's of it, true, right? Well, today everything today is about narrative. It is. It's, it's crazy, yeah, right? Yeah, and it's yeah, like you're yeah. either left or you're right. There's no more in between on anything. We keep talking about this, but like, like the thing about Joe Rogan for me, the reason why I love it is because it's it just feels real. It just feels so. Just to mm. just to play into that with the Spotify thing, because I think <clears throat> yeah, I mean you're a huge Joe Rogan fan, and you've um you've, you've kind of followed him. Uh, you know, for for a long time as he's developed that signing on to something like Spotify as a platform, do you think then that there is a risk that that rawness, that authenticity will diminish over time? Because, you know, as you and I keep discussing anyway, we talk about your you know, left or your right, you know, this point of view, that point of view, when you're, when you're exclusive to one platform, and you're no longer owning because you know Joe Rogan's basically nurtured his own podcast. It's like his own garden, and he's yeah, been course. planting flowers and looking after his garden for the longest time, right? And he's been mm-hmm. building out all these different uh, points of view. Now he's building that garden on someone else's plot of land. So, you know how true and authentic can you be to an extent before you start get you know before that well, starts well, chipping away well before chris answers what what would make you think that it would be different like what 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 do you see that might suggest that it might be different i'm just curious so for me i think over the way that i see it is over time when you you know exclusive to such platforms i think to what chris was just saying there are agendas everyone's pushing mm. everyone pushes to an extent an agenda when you get into you know the larger private corporations to an extent there, there is an agenda there Depending on what that agenda is and where they sit, do they sit sit left or right when it comes to politics? You know, mm. when it comes to making money, if it's video algorithms, how does that work? How do I fi- fix the system to make sure that we're driving enough users, subscribers here? So there's an agenda there, and what do you have to say? Mm. So does that start to spin and change when Joe Rogan starts getting reports and information based on performance and recommendations from the Spotify marketing team and mm. you know words of advice from the uh, you know people sitting in policy in the company? Does oh, that start to curate, shift and curate and show a bit more? Yeah. Exactly. Because it comes back to the point that Chris and I talk about a lot, which is how we don't really think or consume what it is that we think we're consuming because some something is already pushing it to us. Like, I will always see what Chris is liking on Twitter before he even shares it with me via WhatsApp. Yeah. yeah. So I would already have consumed what he has already consumed without him knowing that he wanted to share it with me. From Purely because consumed. of the algorithm, that, yeah. Precisely. So when it comes to someone like Joe Rogan, who is so raw and authentic and actually is so refreshing in the space in the sense that he can have conversations and discussions that doesn't swing, you know, heavily right or heavily left, but he can allow it to kind of just fester in and, you know, um, kind of explore what the points of view are. You know, for me, I look at it, you go exclusive with a company like Spotify, you are putting at risk while you're building on their plot of land now that that rawness and mm. um, so oh. that that's where i that's the risk that i see with him so i probably won't give the answer that you think i'm gonna give um but i think that the reason i give the answer is the most interesting part i think 100 percent joe rogan will be influenced by this new setup mm. but not for the reasons you think every time and, and look at our history, and, and I don't know, uh, Ryan, if you have something that you could kind of share that's the same, but when you grow and when you have, let's call them investors or supporters that make a bet on you. So let's say when we're at Karim and we raised, I don't know, a few hundred million dollars, 
or when we were at you know rocket and we got investors to invest you know whatever money every time you or like spotify here um if they're going to make an investment and make a bet on joe rogan inherently that comes with a formal and an informal contract right the formal contract comes with hey chris hey steve we like ducket here's you know 10 million bucks you have you're exclusive to us for i don't know 10 years now artistically we might not have guidelines that we need to respect artistically but because we made a commitment that commitment was based on our current views listens growth rate brand etc and inherently now we feel that pressure because somebody made a bet on us right it, so it we, was ta- it was it was tangibilized or whatever it was exactly called, yeah. and now we have dues we're in debt right we're in debt to this party whether it's spotify or whether it's an investor whether you're starting a company or whether you're running a podcast or whether you're a producer right so mm. now this label or this platform or this company or this investor has made a bet on you so now you have another variable in your process right so now you say shit i owe this guy basically i need to keep my listeners at par or growing i need mm. to have more engagement i need to have my performance of my platform is now actually very important and joe rogan i don't believe and i cannot speak for him but i don't believe that he was ever influenced by the performance of his podcast i don't think that he had a method or a strategy of how he would grow his audience by the conversations that he was having you don't think so i think there was a marketing machine post production and oh, cutting okay. sound bites and stuff like that but i don't think that when he had a guest sitting in his room that he would methodically structure a conversation for it to have kind of the exact influence that he wanted to have i think that he he came more naturally to him and he wasn't so artistically driven by performance i do think now that because a tangible value has been put by spotify by saying here's 100 million dollars or 150 million dollars free to be exclusive i don't think that he'll change his style or his artistic core i think what will happen is he'll inherently feel indebted and hence feel that he needs to overcompensate and make sure that the podcast does well which to me will over time erode the authenticity because there's another agenda for him right so it's it's kind of like it's you know i, I yeah i mean i i'm kind of like between you guys to be fair like i i agree with both of you guys and also sort of disagree like because the part of me that agrees with you is that for sure it's going to have an effect. It's just, it's nature. It's impossible that he's just going to seamlessly transition into an exclusive deal and nothing is going to change. It's just going to be YouTube, but with a green logo, it's not going to happen, right? There's definitely going to be a change. I just have a feeling that Spotify are, have more of a role to play when it comes to him not being influenced than a lot of people might suggest, because I think Spotify, um, they've essentially, I think they've they've laid out um, a statement of intent of what they intend to do for the next 10 years. I think that with the, the way that music is slowly becoming less and less valuable as a product to consume because it's like $0.003 um, for one stream. And if you look at the way um, algorithms work, I think Spotify is going, well, 
they're all advertising companies at the end of the day. We have to admit Spotify, yeah. YouTube, Instagram, right? They're advertising companies. YouTube, Spotify is going, I want retention, minutes of retention of an audience. Then I have more time to place an ad. And if I can insert that ad, if I have someone who's stuck to a Joe Rogan podcast for three hours, I can get more ads in there. So Spotify may place that bet because they are right on Joe Rogan, but they may say, listen, you don't have to promise us anything. We're the ones taking a gamble. We're hoping that Duck It and Duck Life and all these other podcasts come like kind of like those little, what do you call them? The uh, little cuttlefish that follow a shark yeah. sort of thing. Like oh, yeah. we're, we're going to yeah. follow, we're, there's going to be an influx of podcasts and purely by default, there's going to be more time spent on Spotify because everyone's redirecting the general public yeah. to one platform. So I think Spotify, depending on how they approach it, I think they might say, listen, we're not putting any bet on you aside from the fact that you just have to continue doing what you're doing. Yeah. And if you fail, you fail, but that's fine. Because if you look at the value of what Joe Rogan's giving up when he's removing his YouTube videos, that's essentially yeah. worth the entire money that Spotify is paying him in terms of views. That's true. So yeah. I think it's more on the way Spotify are approaching it and what bet they're placing rather than the actual concept of betting. On yeah. yeah, I completely how, how agree. Outlining it. Yeah, I want to see it that way. Like if that's, if that's how it plays out, because I think, because it's not just Joe Rogan, right? It's Michelle Obama as well, which they yeah, announced, I think, last week. Um, so again, going after a different audience group um you know to really to really push across so yeah i think you're i think you're likely right i for me i guess it's how you see these things play out i mean over time maybe a couple of years we'll, we'll talk about it you know when when something controversial happens on joe rogan and suddenly spotify is the one that's kind of in the firing line for whether it's council culture or like okay this can't yeah. happen this is a this is a disaster what happens you know, in a situation such as that, like what is the message that goes back to yeah. Joe Rogan? So I think, you know, I think- Or how, like how much every, of it is patched from basically? Yeah, exactly. So like with every kind of like move like this that big corporations make, I, you know, you'd like to think that at, that at inception, they you start out with good intentions, but the pressure and the weight of, whether it's, you know, financials, stock price, you know, consumer behavior, consumer trends, you know, mm. what is it that shifts and causes that friction and that change? And I think that goes back to kind of what Chris's point is that, you know, there will be a shift, a you know, a shift over time. Um, is that a change to authenticity or is that an evolution of the Joe Rogan podcast with yeah. um, consumers kind of help and guide that as well? Yeah. So yeah, I think hindsight will be 2020. Oh, for sure. We'll see I mean, I think I even look at people, so it, it's not, it's not really, well, the move isn't a new move to Spotify, but the way they've done this move is new. So in terms of like yeah. the way that they've packaged the deal, because they've been doing this sort of like, well, they've really, the way they kind of picked up in the beginning as a platform is they were relying on success stories within their app, right? So the first one notably was the weekend. That yeah. was when... Mm -hmm. They yeah. were like, look at what The weekend was able to do through Spotify. So they can plant the success story. The newest one being Billie Eilish, bedroom producer yeah, that yeah. became five Grammys. So they've, they've sort of like reduced their cost or their risk by taking an unknown and making them a known. This is the first time I've seen Spotify take a known 
and this is where I think you guys are right because later what happens, I'm just thinking if I'm Joe Rogan and then suddenly they take an opening beginner podcast and says, since Joe Rogan moved, look at what this podcast has become. And suddenly Joe Rogan's now fighting the insights and stats through Spotify to be top dog. Exactly. It's sort of like, I mean, yeah. Steve will know what I mean, but it's a little bit like the Gareth Bale, Cristiano Ronaldo thing, who was more expensive. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, yeah, like yeah. I could see that also <laughs> happening. And then by default, what Chris is saying comes into play where Joe Rogan yeah. is like, I have to now deliver because I was brought here to do that. And that's the thing, right? It's another variable in the mix, right? That wasn't there before. It's, it's, yeah. it's an, you know, you're, you're in debt. You're basically in debt, right? It's yeah. like, it's like any startup or, 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 or anybody who's coming to commission a piece from you, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, man, here's okay. like $50,000. Can you make a beat? And, and it's for this type of artist with this type of audience and this type of style and this type of this, then you're going to be influenced. Well, like, well like, great, great no. point. Because I, that actually happened with me for the first time in a good way. Um, when I did the rally to car song for Saudi. So Saudi's going through this change. Um, work with, uh, with Hamza Hausawi and the guys from Dakar and Gadia and all that stuff. And suddenly there's like, obviously like there, you have to narrate and you have to, a, a bet is placed on you to deliver the message of what's happening, right? Now, not saying that there was like an agenda, but, but you, I had to be more conscious. I was no longer just making a song for me in a studio. I was making a song based on the, on the concept of what's going on. So, I, and you're like, suddenly, like I, it's not that I doubted myself, but suddenly I start I'm like, no, oh, but should I do this this time? Like, I don't know if that's going to get me the effect that I want, you know, like um, suddenly I start, you know, sort of like re-examining. Going down the rabbit hole, yeah. yeah, going down the <laughs> rabbit hole. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so, so I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, if, I mean, if, if, if that happens with Joe, I, I, mean, I would assume mm. he has a big enough team to help him steer away from being too different, but. But it's crazy, man. Like, like a big part of, of life, is dealing with the cards that you have played, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's not like, like, what makes someone amazing is, is, you know, if you give 10 people the same, you know, ingredients and you see what comes out of it, what yeah. makes creativity beautiful is being able to make something out of nothing, right? So it's yeah. like, so it's like, on one side, I'm like, oh, creative liberty, freedom, expression, art, all that stuff. Fuck, now we have, you know, Joe Rogan, our idol, who's now going to have to, like, promise to, you know, Spotify that he's going to get the listens and he's going to be tainted by the corporate world and all this shit. But at the same time, all of the most amazing artists that I love, music kind of artists, produce some of their best music later in their career when they were gazillionaires on huge labels with huge promises. You know what I mean? So it's not... Mm-hmm. It's not to say that it's not possible and that it's bad. It's actually sometimes really good because it puts in more money, it puts in more attention, puts in more reach, uh, and basically brings awareness of a category, a style, uh, an artist that helps you know maybe the whole scene kind of um, kind of grow, right? So I mm-hmm, think mm-hmm. I think I think generally it's very very good uh, for art, for culture, for podcasts, for conversation, yeah, absolutely. For authenticity, absolutely. And and when I think about music, like. You know, <clears throat> I think when I look at the region, the fact that Anrami exists, the fact that, you know, um, you know, some people, um, some labels have, 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 have come out of, you know, the, the woodworks, et cetera. I think all that stuff is really good for the industry, right? And I think 
uh, at the end of the day, when you get paid, like for the Dakar thing, um, and you have to commission a piece based on all these boxes that you have to take, like, oh, it's for this, it's for that, it's for this. That doesn't necessarily mean that it takes away from any of your artistic kind of flavor. No, it just, no, no. It actually, you know, when you push someone into a corner and they have to work with what they have and what they're supposed to do and they come out yeah. with something beautiful, I think that's 10 times more amazing than being, you know, given the right to do anything and anything under the sun. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it was actually one of my favorite projects to work on because, um, like, because normally when you're in the studio, um, and I think, I don't know, uh, to me, it, it feels totally like normal, like that's how it should be. But I know with a lot of other producers and artists, they tell me when around the world, that's not really how sessions go. But for me, I sort of see it as a very like, um, it's a very fluid sort of thing. Like, let's like kind of capitalize on your mood. You know, what do you have going on? Play you some stuff. Sometimes we'll just sit and listen to music and someone's like, man, I wish I could do something like that. And then, so it was the first time where um, I, you could be in the mood to do something slow and sad, but you have to write a song for this racing event and you have to be in that mood. So it's, mm. it's, it was almost like a clutch Kobe Mamba mentality type of thing where you're like, this is what needs to be delivered. I need to get myself in that zone. I think that was the, the hard part, if that makes sense, yeah. because maybe on another day I would have been like, let's do some like slow R and B, you know, yeah, you kind of have to force a mood. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and then how do you get yourself in that mood? So then suddenly it becomes, I remember, I don't know if I, if I it's not really a big thing, but like, I, I remember one of the things I did, um, I felt the mood was getting a bit like, and it's normal, you know, you get fatigue. You're, you're just like, oh, yeah. I don't know. So I was like, you know, I need to, I need to put something on that's going to get this spike of adrenaline where you're like, oh, you know, and, Let's get an idea going. So um, I put on um, I, I put on The Hobbit, right on the TV over here, because uh, none of the guys in the room had seen it before. So suddenly this like oh, and there's like the laugh, there's the jolt of adrenaline, like oh my god, look at that or whatever. Never seen this before. When you come back to something after you've had this bit of a spike, and I had to do it before food because food is the worst. Food just makes you go food coma, yeah, yeah. food coma, right? Yeah. Had this spike play back the beat and then suddenly people are humming stuff, you know, <laughs> and then it's like, okay, we're back in it. So sometimes it's more about the things you do not with music than, you know, coming back to it. Cause some, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with someone like I do it to myself. I'm like, keep going, keep going, keep going. And sometimes, you know, people are like, man, just take a break. I'm like, nope. Like I, I have to be, you know, like it has to be consistent for me. Cause when I let go, I let go. But I know I also have to know like this guy looks tired. This guy looks like, yeah. It's all sounding, it's all feeling yeah. the same. So yeah, that's the interesting part. Rather yeah. than like following his mood, I had to get him out of it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely, absolutely. I was going to ask if like the Hobbit was podcast. a euphemism. <laughs> what, Steve? Um, I was going to ask if the Hobbit was a euphemism. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. But no, actually, okay, it's the same in, in marketing. I mean, marketing and creativity, like, forcing yourself like when you like that creative block i mean yeah we, the worst. we, we all experience it right? you have to yeah you, you either walk away or i mean we listen out for chris's like morning playlist that he shares with us oh, just great. That, you know so we we level out the mood i mean normally we walk into the office and like that brings us up a level or it brings us down to a mellow yeah. level just really dep it depends on that vibe but it's the same same principle right so, yeah it's um, it's tough i mean like i mean sometimes in like I mean, I've had some, I've had some sessions, like no joke, uh, where it just turned into the artist, like laying back on the couch. And it was like, like, 
therapy session and I was like, yeah. we got no music done, but I know that the next session, it's going to be bomb. I know that because it's like whatever has been holding them down is, is no longer there, you know? Um, yeah. So, and I think, and I think it's people look at it like, so when I tell like these stories, like even if it's just to my family or whatever, they go, oh man, that must be exhausting. You know, like just having to like, take all this energy, you know, good or bad all the time. You almost have to be like a sponge. I'm like, well, it's not too bad. Um, if you're, if you're present with what they're saying and you're like, you know, there are certain things I see behind this that I can address, but normally what happens is you'll pick up things that you need to pick up for the next time they're ready to go full on because you already yeah. know that the person it's by default, the person's going to come They're like, man, I didn't really get much done today. Uh, when I come back next time, I better make up for it. So you already know that that compensation is going to happen. Yeah. So now you're like, well, from what I picked up last time, one, two, three, four, five, they didn't like, or whatever, you know, ABC. So now you can be like, you remember that yeah. thing you were saying, maybe we could do something. Yeah, chance. perfect. Yeah, and then yeah. you, you can shortcut in. So, and people forget that artists are emotional people. Their job is to deal with emotion. So if you find it hard to take people's emotions in terms of like, it's too much for you, or you're like, oh, this is just a waste of time. It's sort of like a red flag for me because it's kind of your job as a producer to navigate and direct this emotion somewhere rather than being like, listen, like if you're going through something, we'll do this another time. That person's never going to come back. They're just going to be like, oh, my head's a mess. I ruined my studio session. I can't even record. And then it just snowballs, you know? 100%. So, yeah. I, mean, I have you a... guys must go through that. <clears throat> All the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have, um, I have a kind of a pivot question. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just super, super curious uh, to see um, uh, how you rate producers. Um, <laughs> um, okay. Obviously, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a big hip hop rap. Okay. Um, I listened to a lot of your stuff um, mm -hmm. before the call a couple of days ago as well, even some last week. And uh, I can't place your, your style. Like I can't, I can't yeah. put my finger like on it. Um, so I was just wondering a good way to kind of understand what you appreciate and what you like as a person, personally, what does mm -hmm. Ryan like? Um, who are your like top five producers? Like I could probably name them to you, like for me, but like I'm, I'm pure hip hop and, and, and rap, but I feel like you're, you're not, you're like, you're like a bit newer. Uh, you have a lot more new influences in your, in your taste. Yeah. I actually don't know. Uh, so I have my favorite producers. I don't know how much of my style is influenced by them. But the more and more that I've produced, I've realized that um, I'm, that's, it sounds like such a cliche answer, but I'm becoming more and more of myself. Um, because I think in the beginning, like what we're saying earlier, like when I was producing for other people, I was very conscious that they wanted a different sound, maybe from abroad. They wanted a sound that, so I, I, not, I wouldn't say mimic is the right word, but I had to like, I had to shepherd other people's sounds into what I was doing because people were not coming to me for me. They were coming to work with me not because I want that sound that you have. Maybe that's a bit more present now than it was then. But in terms of producers, I've always loved the people that are um, like super diverse in their sounds. So like a big producer for me, I'm sure you must know him, but maybe it's not one of your top five. Like for me, Rick Rubin is like, like uh, there's like Legend. no words. There's no, yeah, there's not enough words to explain the guy. Um, I love uh, Noah Forty from from OVO. He's like a big influence on me. Um, I'm trying to think of other guys at the moment. Uh, there's a few. I love um, Paul Jeffries, um, who 
He's, he's one of the members of uh, Division or DVSN, but he originally used to work with uh, Drake and Drake's team. He did like Hotline Bling and yeah. a lot of that stuff. Um, oh, God. Um, I love, obviously, Jordan uh, Ullman from Magic Jordan as well. That They're part of the OVO side. But like even like non-OVO stuff, like um, I'm trying to think like... Uh, I love I love the stuff that um, I mean I love the like newer age ones as well like Murder um, Boy Wonder um, Ill Mind. There's a bunch. I'll remember I'll, I'll remember them as I come because I always get asked this question. But like, but for me, um, in general, like I think the style that I do, I, I think it's based on the music that I like. For me, a huge thing like a really big part of what I do is catharsis. Like it's a huge part of what I do. So if I don't feel some some like sense of catharsis or there's like some sense of release of whatever emotion, like there's like this, even if it's like a buildup to a relief or if it's like uh, a tension built that mimics a certain type of emotion, like I think that's where this whole ambient high energy drum thing happens where it's not just like hip hop, uh, trap, R&B it's like you'll hear like maybe that sensual side of R&B but it's over like a super trappy beat but then you'll hear a super trappy melody over like a smoother R&B beat maybe just because that's the the release of that side it's really hard to explain but I never used to do that as much as I do now but um, I don't know if that answered the question like but that yeah, was, yeah I mean absolutely I mean yeah. but 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 uh, I was just trying to see like because <clears throat> when when people name producers, um, it, it it kind of helps um, understand their influences, right? It, it, uh, it's, 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 yeah, of course. Yeah, 100%. yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, uh, what would you say? Your what were your the five you were gonna say? Because I'm curious whether I forgot someone. So I'm a bit kind of still old school. I I would probably still put number one as Dre. Um, of course. <laughs> and then yeah, after that, I mean, the guy's a complete nutcase, but I still think he's a magician, and that would be Scott Storch. Oh, of course, of man, course. Like, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> Scott Storch is yeah. like, man, what a yeah. what a nutcase, but man, yeah, what, what a talent, man. It's just unbelievable. It just oozes out of him. It's just man, he just sits down, you give him a keyboard, and you just you just watch him. Just and he and he's a great example of someone that's really rebranded themselves so well. Multiple you know, like, times, by the way. <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, Scott Storch for sure. You know, uh, I think Swiss for sure. Swiss. I thought you were gonna uh, say Jay Dilla or something like someone um, proper old school. Um, no, I mean, I'm still, I'm still like late nineties, early two thousands. Right. So okay. in terms of my major influences, like, like formative, like proper, like end of high school, college, mm -hmm. when you really get into music properly, mm -hmm. uh, probably Timbaland. Uh, Timbaland. Yeah. I just, because he's just, he's not that great of a producer, by the way, like technically, if you, yeah. if, if you compare him to like, like a, Dre. like a Dre, for example, but like Timbaland's just style is just so it's just him. Like there's, it's there's, loud. Yeah. His style, it, like his, his message is a very loud message. Like and it's, you would and know. And he only does it his way. Like yeah. he's, any, any Timbaland beat, you're like, man, it's Timbaland. It's like, yeah. it's like, it's like him puking everywhere. Like it's like hundred percent. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> and then, <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's like the yeah, same yeah, shit yeah. all over the time. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but it's just so good that you can't deny it. It's a compliment. Yeah. Backhanded. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and then, and then, obviously, I think Rick Rubin would have been probably one of my uh, top five as well. Yeah, um, I mean, just because he's just 
his his method and his, his the quality is just on another like well i just in my life i've never seen someone like rick rubin who like well his discography page is a whole wikipedia page within a wikipedia page within a wikipedia page but he's like for someone to go from and i'm i'm really like i'm barely scraping the barrel here but to go from like run dmc to slipknot system of a down to eminem to adele to ed sheeran to jay-z to whatever like it's so eclectic to the point where you're like surely there must be something more than the style that people go to him for that there must be you know it's the method yeah and when i see when i saw his interview with zane lao yeah man this guy like Excel. Man, it's like he's so zen, you know, he's yeah, so zen so and he's so present. And he's like, and they're like asking him about like, oh, well, this dude from this band or this artist said that they hated you. And he's like, I can see why they would hate me. Um, their style. I was like, man, if you were in a room with this guy, I'd want to write a song. Even if I hated him, I'd be like, you make me enjoy hating you in a way that I don't hate you anymore. <laughs> you know, like he's just so zen. I love it. Um, Absolutely. But, uh, but I mean, like, uh, I think because you were asking about producers, I think in general our region we have a we have a lack of producers. There's only a bunch of producers that I know um, from around the region. I would say like there's probably less than like in the whole region. I'm going like from UAE to the Gulf to Mina. I'm sure there's more, but I mean like in terms of people that are influencing or directing sound, I would say there's probably like less than like 30, 25. And if you take the number, yeah, I'd say yeah. I mean. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure there's more. I like, you know what I mean? I'm not saying there yeah, are yeah. a total. No, no, but but you in mean, terms like, of people like, taking other projects, like, working with mm-hmm. loads of other artists. I mean, like I work with about maybe like 45 to 50 different artists a year, different genres or whatever. I know some producers, they only want to stick to one genre. But within that genre, they're working with like 15, 20 artists, like people that are doing projects, you know? Um, is, there, yeah. is, is there like a music community? Here? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, like w- when I say community, I feel like, let, let me elaborate on that a little bit. So like Steve and I, I think we can confidently say we're part of the startup community, right? Because we've been in startups our whole career. And mm-hmm. the startup community in the Middle East, it is a community. There's events catered yep. around the community to bring them together, like startup events, like Step Conference, for example. Mm-hmm. There are... Um, Sold DXB. Yeah, sold DXB. There are there are there are there are kind of groups of you know investors, entrepreneurs, etc. that come together and, and, and think together. There are um, there's uh, an, an economic stimulus, so like all the VCs and private equity mm-hmm. companies that are feeding into it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's um, relationships with universities like Shara and Sharjah yeah, yeah, and yeah. AUD and NYUAD, Abu Dhabi, etc. So there, there is like a multifaceted kind of community for startups and building businesses. Do you feel that you have that world when it comes to music? Like that partnership? Like Yeah, I, I think, so I think um, the best way to explain it is all of those, like, like you were saying, the VCs, the companies, the businesses, and then you have the artists' creative community. I think that community is a lot stronger than it was five years ago in terms of it being interconnected where an artist or a producer or whatever is going to be like, I recommend these people, these people are great. This person is, is best for your company, whatever. And they're very much aware of each other. Uh, so there's like a stronger covalent bond between all of these, um, 
artists. And I think with the, the companies, it's the same thing, but they're now looking, the connection between these two groups, I think is still strengthening. It's not totally there yet, yeah. but at least like the conversation is there now. So like you'll have companies that are looking at um, artists from the region thinking like we can work with them on a project. We can, you know, do some sort of uh, campaign with these guys. And uh, we, there's like a trickle down effect basically. So it's starting to happen. It's yeah. starting to happen. Yeah, it's starting to happen. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's fully there yet. <coughs> yeah. <coughs> Pardon me because um, like I know a lot of projects, you'll still hear names thrown around that are not from the region. And then the company is like, if you know anybody else. And then that's where that first community, I go like, well, I know ABCDE. And then they're like, oh, even better. But but that's going to need time as well because those two have been strengthening alone and then that the the relationship is starting to build but i don't think it's there yet but though many communities these are there Super you know what it, it comes down to that what you, we just spoke about with the joe rogan thing right it's like that yeah. big fish like what's that one thing that really shines a light on the region that yeah. then brings in more it helps it grow it inspires i mean it's similar with in, in the startup with the kareem story i mean we talk about yes. the cream story quite a lot on, on the podcast but you know that same thing it shines a, a, a bright light on the on the region which then attracts more it then grows so it's kind of a, a it transitions over time but you need mm. kind of those big exports so then at the same time we talk about talent like you know when when someone breaks through in the region from a um, music standpoint and then they they go to make it big elsewhere like yeah that's a loss right from yeah, exactly to an extent because you want to incubate it as long as possible uh, here well this yeah. is the big debate you've sort of kind of hit it on the you know nail on the head here it's because um the there's like there's two ways that's going to happen exactly like what steve said so there's either going to be an artist that blows up uh worldwide success they may leave the region to then pursue that further elsewhere and that's a loss because that's never going to trickle back down. And then there's also the debate where is someone from there going to want to capitalize on this audience here because there isn't anyone from the Western scene or an outside scene trying to tap into this market that's going to come as the Joe Rogan, the big shark, the big fish and dominate and then have a trickle down effect. But will then that be a loss because everyone else will just flood this market and then we get flooded out. So we, we mm. like, I don't think anybody really knows, but that's where the debate is because there's a, there's a bunch of artists that lived here, uh, maybe started their career here and then they, they leave to another country, but then they don't mention that they're from Dubai or they'll be like, well, I live there, but it's nothing to do with me because maybe they've, they found like that their success is there. So why would they want to dilute their message or their brand as being from all these different countries? It, it's confusing to some, to some people. It's just like, I'm from, mm. I'm from Michigan. That's it. I, yeah, I lived in Dubai, but I'm from Michigan. I, I, my audience and my target demographic are people in Michigan. I don't want to start saying Dubai and then I'm some outcast again. And so that happens, that happens, but I don't know which one it's going to be, but like, until it happens, we won't really yeah. know, but yeah. It's, it's like, um, when you think about, I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not as big a music kind of buff when it comes to like the appreciation for music. I think, you know, Chris like is a next level in comparison to me, but then, you know, I listen to a lot of music and stories are told via music and you know, what's produced. Right. So if you think about it from someone who like makes it from the region and they're narrating a story 
via their music, their artistry that communicates and resonates with people from here that can um, that they can relate to. And that's how that's how it then expands out. So I think yeah, I think it's very difficult. I would I would I can see exactly that that conundrum when someone leaves the region and then yeah. is basically making it elsewhere. It's going to be very hard to resonate with an audience if you're talking about something that no one of that exactly. main audience, that mainstream audience, could possibly relate to. Exactly. That's why the mainstream audience would need to be the region, and then exactly. from there expand out. But then by the time they expand out, then it, may, it might not resonate as much from the region because they're going to be then going after a mainstream audience, which is what happens to a lot of um, musicians once they, they're found exactly. and they make it. They then, that it changes the dynamic to an extent. Well, and, and onto that, it's also the fact that Dubai, going back to what we were originally saying, Dubai is changing, uh, well, sorry, I say Dubai, the Middle East is changing so much itself that the message you thought was relevant a year ago is no longer relevant because... Yeah. The, the, the whole thing has changed. It's like you're walking on moving platforms and at the same time, you're trying to leapfrog over into this bigger pond. So like you're saying, if the bigger pond yeah. pulls you in and you're singing yeah. about that and you thought it's relevant to the region, a year later, you're not relevant, but you're super relevant there. So you're like, well, yeah. I just better stick to this side. So it, it's so hard because um, I wouldn't say that like in this region, there's a lot of culture. Um, and especially with the fact that it's a huge melting pot, we have so many different cultures. And I think I always go back to the example, really, like, and I think I'm sure Chris is going to be able to speak on this better than me. But like, I feel like the closest case study that we have um, to what the region could be is Canada, because Canada has a very similar um, sort of like diaspora of, uh, you know, different cultures and different like subcultures. And there's even with just Canadian cultures, there's different cultures, but I know Bieber essentially was like the first Canadian artist to really break through, but really afterwards this whole new Toronto sound and they have so many different Canadian artists breaking through yeah. from like, you know, Drake weekend, Daniel Caesar, yada, yada, yada. Um, I feel like that's a great way for this region to look at it and be like, that's how you can navigate it. You know what I mean? That's how you can yeah, I think, sort of direct it down. So, so it's strange because Canada is basically a very, very young country. Still, I mean, still much older than, let's say, uh, the Gulf. Um, mm -hmm. Canada's, uh, well, let's say Quebec, for example, is about 400, just over 400 years old. Um, as a... Um, you know, as a country, as a province, um, and Canada's probably in the 500 range. But so it's mm -hmm. still a relatively young country, but it's essentially a country made of a melting pot of other cultures and other cultures that have uh, kind of retained their their cultural identities, right? So like when you, when you come to Montreal, where I am right now, um, the city is split as in you know, little countries. This is like where all the Greeks live. This is where all the Italians live. This is where all the Lebanese people live. You know, there's something like 300,000 Lebanese people just in Montreal. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's huge, right? It's a, it's a little Beirut, basically. There's um, <laughs> there's like there's like the Jewish quarters. There's like you know the Polish area. There's like um, the Haitian uh, part of the city, et cetera, et cetera. So, so you have these sectors where they've completely kept, kept their culture. Like sometimes you go into those neighborhoods and they don't even speak other languages. They only speak yeah. Greek, for example, or yeah. they only speak Italian. Like you'll find people in those neighborhoods that don't speak English or don't speak French. Right? So, so I think Canada is a good example because it is a melting pot. However, what I will say is um, 
my mom is is from Quebec City, right? She's she's born and raised in Quebec City. She spent you know 25 plus years uh, in the Middle East, so she she understands both worlds. But a great artist that would be a good example of 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 what happened was was uh, Celine Dion. Come out of, of course, of course, Quebec City, right? So Quebec City, they had Celine Dion before she went big, and before she went big, she only sang in French. She didn't even speak English, right? Mm. Um, and when you listen to those first original albums, it's like the anthem of of, <laughs> of the country of, of of Quebec of of Montreal. Easily, it was their their superstar, right? And she was she was bigger than God, right? Um, even before, even bigger, you know. She was bigger, you know, locally than she ever was internationally, even before she right. was international. Right, right. And it's so funny. Like I'm visiting my mom. I've been here for about a week, a week and a half now, um, and she's already been playing some good old school French Celine Dion songs. And she'll tell you that this sounds nothing like her pop stuff, right? Um, that you know, when she left and she became, when she learned to speak English and she started to do English songs. Oh, that stuff is good, but it's not like it. It doesn't. It doesn't resonate with me. It's not real. It's not. It's not authentic. It compromised not, her authenticity or whatever. It's it not is. about. Yeah. It, it's not her story anymore. She's. She's basically singing songs. She's yeah. not. She's not expressing emotions anymore. Yeah. Right? Yeah. She's and not narrating anything. She's just. Yeah. She's not telling a story. It's not coming from her anymore. But then, if you ask Steve, and then his parents are are big on Celine Dion, like they'll tell you, oh man, her, Celine Dion's English stuff is just the best it's the best thing yeah, i've yeah. ever heard in my yeah, life right yeah, yeah. And, and it's so interesting so like i have a great example at home and it's like we we like her english stuff we think it's good we think it's you know actually quite amazing it's you know top 10 but when we listen to her french stuff and it talks about our reality our lives etc cetera, etc cetera, and narrates our our kind of culture our community then it's on the next level right and i think that's obviously going to happen and i don't think that's a bad thing right i, I don't think no i mean i was going to say it's very similar to what i heard with shakira shakira has a very similar style yeah. sort of story you know where she's shifted yeah. where the you know hispanic or spanish community say the same thing you know yeah absolutely absolutely and yeah. i think that's and that's, that's, think that's that's what i mean yeah it's that it's like a bullseye target audience right you you've literally honed in so relevant to kind of your niche crowd and then you make it and then you expand out and then your crowd is you you're serving totally different demographics different people because yeah it's the celine dion that that i know i'm really talking about celine the, dion i know <laughs> yeah <It's> crazy <laughs> hold on yeah. we should play a track <laughs> no please don't please don't you kill my buzz <laughs> um but yeah dude listen we've been talking for an hour and a half um it's been awesome having you on I, I can't Thank help you so much for having me. I can't help but feel that we have to do something together. I don't know if you have that. We should, feeling, Steve. We have to. Well, I, we have to wait for I you agree. to get back first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 by the way, just on that note, um, I'll I'll tell you uh, on closing remarks what a dream of ours was uh, about a year ago. Oh wow! Okay. Um, a year ago, and I think you might be the person to help us think this through. And this is just no an pressure idea, life. It's a concept, and now it's, rec- it's no pressure. Be, it's going to be on the podcast, but let's just get the idea out there. Yeah, anybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody who steals the idea and does it themselves, great. It's just all about the idea. Okay. But, um, uh, you've heard of colors, um, of course, right? I think the 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 impact of colors. Um, Steve, you know colors. I've shared like a year yep, ago or two years ago, whenever yep. it was that we were listening to it. I think that kind of a platform is the missing catalyst of the region. Um, so, sorry to cut you off. 
We do have, and shout out to the guys, we have a initiative that's doing something very similar. Uh, they're called Last Seen Live. If you guys haven't uh, heard of them, check them out. They have essentially, it's sort of like the colors thing, but they have a, uh, like a red, it's a homage to the old, I think it's like the 30s or 20s uh, jazz and soul scene. There's like a red curtain and they have different artists perform with a mic in front of the red curtain. And they have like four or five artists a month. I had a feeling you're going to go there. And I was like, I have yeah, to give a shout out to Last Seen Live. So, but, so let's um, support them or, or, yeah. or, 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 or let's have them on the show. Right? Great initiative. Shout yeah, out to all the guys the like Perlanta, Perlanta, Hiam, uh, Karam, all those guys. They're doing a great job. They have like, I think they just announced like season four or five. And what they do that's really cool is they have the actual event. They recreate the event live at uh, D3. So you can actually go and rewatch the performances live as an event with the same people. So, and then they collaborate with like local fashion, uh, fashion wear companies. So they're wearing like all, you know, regional clothing and all that stuff. It's super cool. So it's called last scene live. Yeah. Or LSL last scene live. I think their Instagram handle is literally last scene live, but yeah, shout out to those guys. Okay. Amazing. Uh, that's amazing. Cause I, I, I always thought that that was something that we were like super missing. And, and, and that's the thing, man. Like, why are we not aware of this? Like I'm looking for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. well, well, thankfully I could help cause you guys weren't aware of people like me. So hopefully I can shed light and, and that's that's the whole idea. this is the collaboration. This is it building. Exactly. And, and this is the whole idea of having this show, man, to, to build those bridges and, and to kind of raise awareness. Man, thanks a lot, Ryan. You've no, been absolutely. Thank uh, you so much, guys, for having me. Experience. I honestly, I, I, I'm, I'm literally so glad that there are even initiatives like what you guys are doing because I think it's super important, uh, not just to the region, but in general to the, the, the general public that look for content that's related to them. A lot of the times, like you're saying, we, we try, we're trying to connect. There's, there's an attempt to connect with people yeah. like yourself uh, or resonate with certain things that people are saying from around you. And it's things like this that where I go like, well, I don't need to listen to what they're talking about in Massachusetts. Like there are these guys here that know what I'm about. I, I want to know what's going on with the people around me. So, yeah, you know, exactly. big up to you guys, mad respect. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Like, I know, like, I'm like, I'm sure, I'm sure in like a few months time, there's going to be like a revisited version of this podcast where I'm going to be like, guys, everything I said is wrong, 100%. you know, <laughs> you know, but yeah, it'll happen. But even, but, but even when you're big time, even when you're big time, you're going to have to kind of accept our invitations. All right. <laughs> uh, exactly. Listen, listen if, if, I don't, I, I don't even know if it'll happen from big time, but for me, if anything like that did happen, like I'm bringing everyone with me on the ship. I'm just like, if you take me, you take everybody else with I'm, me. That's I'm, it. I'm part of the posse, you know. I'm, the I'm part of the posse, you know. Like, yeah, that's gonna be my anti-Spotify move. Like the Joe, if the Joe Rogan thing happens, like listen, these guys are coming with me. If not, then duck it. Hey, hey. <laughs> thanks a lot, Ryan. Really appreciate it. All right, guys, it, thank you so much. Have a great evening. Thank you so much. Speak to All you right, guys buddy. soon. Thank take you. it easy. Take care. Bye. Bye. Ciao. Ciao. ciao.